UFC on ESPN. Post-fight thoughts. Dun-dun-dun! Hey guys, Fight Junkie here. As usual, before we jump into this next episode, I want to remind you guys, you can hit me up on Twitter at FightJunkie.com. Listen to me on Anchor.fm, and of course, subscribe to the YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash FightJunkie2006. So the UFC just got over. We did a couple of pre-fight podcasts. If you guys want to go back and reference those and you're listening to this on YouTube, click the icon upper right corner it will take you back to them um basically the cron gracie and bruce leroy fight went pretty much like we thought crown striking isn't very good you can see that it's very very basic he's not comfortable you you can tell straight away even when he throws his punches the way he moves the way he stands everything about it is very basic very noobish you can see it a mile away the, the, the thing he does have going for him, besides his jiu-jitsu, obviously, is that he can just throw. He, he doesn't care because he's not worried about somebody taking him down. Bruce Leroy has far better striking, but Bruce had to be more conservative with the strikes he threw because he was afraid of the takedown. So everybody knows, especially with the way that Gracie likes to fight, he's actually looking to close the distance and clinch. So when you, when you know that and you're getting ready to throw your attack... You're actually trying to keep the distance. That's difficult because it's difficult to put power into your punches. It's difficult to put uh, commitment into your kicks and things like this because you naturally close the distance. And if you do that on Kron, you better hope that you knock him out when you land because if you don't, he's going to snatch you and be in clinch position. And then he's going to try to trip, take you down or drop down single leg, whatever to get you down, pull guard, get you on the ground and try to submit you. So, what is it going to take to beat him? Well, obviously his ground game is seriously deadly, but we've seen that from fighters before. You know, Maya is basically a, a straight jiu-jitsu guy. He does takedowns a little bit different than Crown does as he has to shoot. Uh, he likes to shoot and uh, get people up against the fence. He likes to single leg a lot. So, I think, uh, actually, Crown has a little bit of advantage here because he does it in the clinch. And there's a lot of positions that you can end up close enough to grab somebody granted they don't have a gi on but the idea is the same you're going to wrap your hands right around them whether it's their head their arm their leg their waist whatever as soon as that distance closes enough for you to be able to do that and when you're fighting uh, that's that's what this game is about it's a it's a game of inches and most people when they throw they commit and they automatically close the distance so I think it's going to take somebody who has good foot movement and isn't greedy, is content with shooting a jab out there straight into his face, moving around. And of course, they've got to have good takedown defense. But I would say more than that, probably good clinch defense, because I think that's where he's going to go and try to do most of his work. So if you have a guy like that who can move around, create distance, don't let Kron close that distance to get close in that clinch position, shoot the jab in his face to start busting him up. Gotta, you you got to put something on him, but you got to be smart about it. Because again, if you get greedy and you go for the big shot, seeing, man, this guy's got basic striking, you know, his defense isn't the best, the way he stands, he's very straight and upright. There's a lot of flaws that you can see if you get greedy and it doesn't work if you don't hit him and he collapses and out or you kick him and you know finish him 
then you're potentially risking that clinch position. And as you saw tonight, it doesn't take much. If he gets you down, he believes he can submit you. Only needs one takedown, he believes he can submit you. So it's going to be interesting, the matchups going forward. Like I said, there's flaws there, but you have to look at stylistically what he's up against. And even if they're a better striker on paper, like we saw Bruce Leroy was a better striker on paper and in real life, but look how it played out. They've got to have certain skill set, and they've got to have something between their ears to be able to implement a game plan that is effective against Crown Gracie. Um, the other fight was Felder. He actually won a decision against Vic. I really like Felder. He's a good announcer. I've been high on him since he started announcing. He seems like a genuinely nice guy. But I really honestly think he could have done more tonight. The game plan to me was kind of iffy. I don't think the fight was close. Let me say that up front. I don't want people to get it twisted like I thought Vic could have won or Vic was even really in the fight. I don't. I think everybody's going to give Paul two to three rounds even. I just think his game planning was a little too passive, if I'm being honest with you. Before the fight, I told you guys that he had said he wanted to channel his inner Mike Tyson. If that was his inner Mike Tyson, then it's the 50-year-old Tyson because that sure as hell wasn't Mike Tyson. I mean, that's what he needed to do. He needed the uh, Justin Gaethje game plan. Go for it, get in his face. Vic has so many flaws. Dominic Cruz talked about it on the broadcast. A lot of tall fighters do this. The Stefan Struff syndrome. They're so used to not being hit that they just pull straight back. And if you can time that, normally with a looping shot, you will put their lights out. It's very simple. They get away with it over and over and over again in training. The trainers don't correct it. They see no reason to change it because they're not being hit until all of a sudden they're being hit and knocked out. And by then, it's a bad habit that's very difficult to correct. Even his corner knows they can't correct it. They're like, chin down. At this, Is he really going to put his chin down? He puts his chin up. That's why they're saying stay away from the cage. Stay away from the cage. Because when he backs up and he puts his chin up, he's got nowhere to go. So he hits the cage. They hit him. He goes to sleep. I just thought there were many opportunities for Felder to go forward, land big punches, and not circle back out. I cannot stand that. I mentioned this in the pre-fight podcast that if he stayed on the outside, I thought he was at a disadvantage. And what was funny was the low kick, the calf kick, actually equalized that and made Vic very tentative because he couldn't put any pressure on that foot, on that lead leg. And so Felder was able to come in with some punches and then circle out and not get much back from Vic. Personally, I believe he should have just kept going. The guy was crippled in the leg in the first place, has a fatal flaw pulling straight back, um, Felder had already landed a couple looping shots, some spinning shit. I think the opportunity was there to finish Vic. I really do. And again, I like Felder. It, it was a heartwarming uh, speech after after the fight. You got a feel for the guy. I mean, we can applaud the win. But when you're betting and you see stuff like that, I could just see it. it the opportunity was there. I encourage you guys to go back and watch that fight. Round one to round three. The opportunity was there. Throw out the leg kick. I mean, he could have probably got a leg kick stoppage, in all honesty. But the way that he was fighting was was not the correct game plan. 
in my opinion, if Vic's leg wouldn't have been shot from those leg low kicks, because I think the come in, throw a couple punches and circle back out would have given Vic the opportunity to do what he wants to do, which is keep distance, keep him at the end of his kicks, use the jab, all of this thing we're just talking about with distance. But Paul, for whatever reason, decided that he could get in and go right back out and then repeat the process over and over again. Early on, it was okay when they were both fresh. I thought he was trying to walk him into something. It looked like he was, like he was trying to walk him into a counterpunch. But then it just seemed like he got so settled into that, realized that Vic was hobbling around and really wasn't doing too much on the outside, that he just come in, back out, come in, back out, come in, back out. And in my opinion, he had a wounded animal in front of him, and I think he could have got him out of there. I'm always going to say that on this fight. I really think he could have got him out of there. And honestly, I don't think it would have taken much effort from him to get him out of there. I think if he would have put his nose to the grindstone and really pushed it, he would have got Vic out of there. And everybody would have been, you know, just as happy as they are now. But he would have had the stoppage win as well. The Kane fight. Well, we talked about it. It looks like on the replays that his leg actually gave out. It doesn't really look like the strikes did it. He did get hit, but when he went down, it kind of looks like he does a split. And it looks like his leg gives out and he's he screams in pain off the slow motion replay without even being hit by Francis. That's a problem because obviously he lost a fight first round stoppage. But what's up with the knee now? And we talked about this going into the fight when I said there was danger there. And on paper, I get why everybody liked um, Kane. Certainly, the same thing with the Blades fight. He was the wrestler. You know, Francis isn't that good on the ground. Stipe showed that. There were a lot of flaws with Francis and his grappling. We know what Kane had done in the past and blah, 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 blah. But we had no idea if this was going to be the old cane or an old cane. Man, those injuries are serious. When you're out for two years not fighting, those injuries are serious. And then you come in and within a minute, your leg falls off and you're back on the canvas having another loss. And now how long is he going to be out? And then we're going to get the same thing when he comes back. The so-called greatest heavyweight of all time and all this stuff that the UFC pushes. I believe he has like 14 fights. I mean, it's kind of nonsense when you really think about it. But going into this fight, we were just talking about the odds. And that's why I suggested really looking at that under. Because, yeah, on paper, we saw that this should have been a matchup that favored Kane. And I believe the UFC knows what they're doing, too, as well. Uh, Kane's a big draw there. Especially with the Mexicans. Let's be honest. And so they thought if, you know, obviously on paper, this favors Kane. But there were a lot of question marks surrounding Kane. And we went over those in the pre-fight podcast. And to me, there were just too many. I just couldn't feel confident. Even looking at this fight on paper, I just couldn't feel confident in going, yeah, stylistically, this favors Kane, and he's just going to do it. He's going to go out, get him down, throw him down, and dominate him. I just couldn't bring myself to do it. There were too many question marks. And there were big, big question marks surrounding Kane. When you're talking about these types of injuries, man, I mean, you can't just gloss them over. It's the same shit people do with weight and weight cuts. And I've made so much money off foolish, ignorant people who believe that weight cutting is no problem. And as long as they make weight and they just discount everything else, 
you got you got people now tracking st- statistics of fighters that uh, miss weight and if they win and all this. Yeah, it's an issue. It can be an advantage. It could be disadvantage. Well, it's the same thing. These injuries. How was he going to recover? How was this training? We talked about all of that because these were unknowns. And to bet on Kane, you had to make sure you were saying, okay, everything is going to be right. Everything is going to go as planned because you knew there was danger just based off Francis's punching power alone. So as far as the physical and mental health of Kane and what he's been doing in the gym and how his body's been holding up and all this other nonsense that you had to cap, you had to cap it perfectly if you said Kane's going to be able to just go in there and be the old Kane. It was a bit of a leap. It was a bit of a jump, if I'm being honest. And that's why I didn't go out, in my opinion, on a limb. Even though he was favored, to me, if I would have told you guys, oh, I like Kane here because on paper, this, that, and the other, I actually would have been going out on a limb. Even though he was favored, like minus 175 come closing, I think it was. Simply because, in my mind, when I looked at this fight, there's way too many question marks. And those question marks made me take a deeper, closer look at it. And that's what I was asking you guys to do um, after the pre-fight podcast is, wait a minute, take a close look at this. I get it. I see everything that the rest of you guys see. I see that on the surface. But you got to dig a little bit deeper, get past that surface layer, get into that crust and see if you're seeing what I'm seeing. Do you see these question marks that are down there? If you do see them, do you think they're significant? If you do think they're significant, how are you going to mitigate this? What are you going to do? If you can't just play Kane and you see there's flaws with Francis, what are you going to do? And that's why that under skyrocketed. It was, I believe, 6-1 to when I did the podcast. I believe it opened at minus 350. Shot up quickly to that 6 mark. And then the last time I checked, it was like seven to one. So it kept getting hit over and over and over again. And I believe the people that were betting that certainly were looking at both sides. Because if you liked Kane, you could have got a much better number on him straight or inside. And the same thing with Francis. If you liked Francis, he was technically the underdog straight. Or you could have taken him inside. That was probably the way he was going to win. So what would make you lay that juicy juice on there on that under? Well, it had to be something going on with Kane, right? Because on paper, he should be the favorite in this match. He he should have the stylistic advantage. He should be able to get Francis down and dominate him and do what he wants and control him. And even if he didn't finish him, you know, just control him positionally and not let Francis up. So why was that under kept going up higher, higher, higher? There were certainly people out there other than myself that had to have recognized this because the line was moving. And as great as I think I am, I'm not moving these lines like that. Maybe that was my buddy Crowley out there. Yeah, I'm talking about you, big dog, Mr. Feely, moving the line. But yeah, so there was certainly public interest in that under and public money. And it came out to be the right thing. And sometimes that's what that's what you got to do. We don't always get them right, obviously, but sometimes you just got to take a second or two and dig a little deeper, especially when you're having fighters with like weight issues or changing divisions, like you saw with the Dillashaw fight or these injuries. These are little these are little risk factors 
that that could make or break fights. Like Dillashaw, if you were watching that throughout the thing, you're watching the countdowns, you're watching him train, you're like, man, this guy's looking like death, right? And people can talk about the stoppage all they want or whatever. Look what happened. And then you're sitting here with Kane where you're going, man, the guy's been out forever. Oh, I'm sure he's training hard, but, you know, is he is he that version of Kane that we all remember? Is he the version of Kane that they say was the greatest thing since sliced bread? Is that version of Kane going to show up? Listen, if you're just rooting for Kane, hell, root for him. There's a big difference when you're betting. So that's why you have to take a little bit more time and maybe look at things uh, at a little harder level than other people would because you could be a Kane fan and be like, yay, you know, Kane's back. I can't wait for him to win. And that's fine. You know, I'm sure they're not happy that he lost, but it's way different when you're throwing your cheddar on him. Then you have to say, wait a minute. Stylistically, how is this? Oh, I, yeah, he, he's got a good advantage here. He's got an advantage. Is, is there any dangers here whatsoever? What what could possibly bother Kane in this fight? And then you start digging. And you start digging, and sometimes you find a little nugget, right? And then you go, well, if there's one nugget, are there more nuggets? And you start digging, and you find more nuggets. And you dig, and you find more nuggets. You guys get the drift. And that's what this was. There was just so many question marks around Kane that anybody, I think, that objectively looked at this, they couldn't 100% confidently say Kane is back. There's no way before this fight you could assume it, but there was nothing to suggest that he was going to be able to perform like he had in the past. Wishful thinking, hoping, but we had no verifiable proof that he was going to be able to compete and excel like he had in the past, especially against a guy who all, we all admit has flaws, but is a big puncher. And what's ironic is, in this fight, really, Kane's leg fell off. I mean, I really think Francis landed two punches, and then Kane, like, splits and slips and falls down and is screaming in pain, and then Nganu starts to follow up with a couple more hammer fists, and the ref jumps in. It really is a case where Kane's leg just... I don't know if it was those first two punches, you know, the actual weight of Nganu's punches that, you know, verberated through his whole body and shook his kneecap right off and he just fell down like that. It didn't look like a legitimate knockdown, like boom, boom, I hit you and you collapse because of the way his legs split apart and the way that he screamed when he went down. You don't do that when you get hit. When you get hit, you know, boom, boom, you go down, right? It was pure agony on his face. I really do think his knee is screwed up. And that's going to be another thing, man. If he's out for another year or six months or nine months or two years. I mean, at some point, it's the same thing Cruz is going through, right? At some point, it's going to be very difficult to back Dominic Cruz. Because the injuries are just stacking up. Everybody who's watched Dominic knows he's skilled, very skilled world champion, all this stuff. Nobody's going to doubt his talent, his dedication, you know, his hard work, none of that. But at some point, your body's going to say, "Uh uh-uh, not doing it anymore, and you're only going to get older. And as you get older, those injuries are harder and harder to recover from. So you're going to get the case where he comes back against somebody that should be maybe a competitive fight, or maybe he's even favored and it's a quote-unquote gimme fight. 
and something like what we saw tonight happens. It's a real possibility. So what I'm basically telling you guys is reminding you guys the the pro cappers out there. I'm not. You guys already know. I'm just reminding you. And the newer people to the game, this is a little bit of an education that hopefully you can use, is that sometimes you have to take a second and look a little bit deeper than the surface. Other times the surface is the way it's going to play out. Stylistically, it plays out like how you see on paper. But like I said, there's sometimes in a fighter's career or in a matchup, certain things are going on that require a closer look, a second look, a third look, a fourth look. And a lot of times that's where people go wrong. A lot, Even in this community, a lot of times people go wrong because they discount these things as nothing, right? Just something to talk about. People like to bring up controversy. People like to make big issues, you know, mountains out of molehills, this type of thing. But when you're betting, that's your cheddar that you're pulling out of your wallet. So I say take as much time as you need, do as much research as you need, and try to get it right. That's it for this episode of Fight Junkie. I will suck it to you tomorrow, baby. Fight Junkie out.